Well, good morning. We are continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're going to continue in Mark chapter 10. And as we continue in our study, uh, we're moving from one domestic topic uh, to another domestic topic. Uh, we're moving from topic of marriage to the topic of children. Uh, this famous passage where Jesus says, let the children come uh, to me. So with that, both uh, in this passage, I, I hope that we see the beauty of his love. That is Christ's love and tenderness towards children, as well as the significance that children have in pointing us to what it looks like uh, to have faith. So with that, let's turn in our text to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, just a few short verses, Mark 10, 13 to 16. Hear God's word. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us. Uh, as children, help us to understand uh, your word, to see the love of Christ for our children and your love for us through it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember a daunting moment some 12 years ago when Aaron and I left the hospital with our newborn daughter. I remember thinking, I cannot believe they're letting us take this little baby home with us. She seemed so fragile and small, so utterly helpless. It seemed a little irresponsible on the part of the hospital uh, to, to let some young 30-year-old uh, with zero experience take her out of the hospital. Yet, there we were. We drove off. It's the slowest I've ever driven in my life. Never driven that slow since. Um, the next few months were a whirlwind of sleepless nights, bleary-eyed days as we spent the vast majority of our energy and time feeding and changing and rocking and holding and loving our little Liza Jane. This tiny little helpless babe, she was completely dependent on us to care for her every need. Our text this morning focuses on the significance of children to the kingdom of God. Jesus not only calls the children to himself that he might bless them, but he uses these little ones as an example for his disciples of what it looks like to be a citizen, a child, a member of the household and kingdom of God. Jesus calls them, his disciples, and is calling us to be like these helpless babes, both in humbleness as well as in dependence. This morning, Jesus is saying to you and to me, to us, dear little children, come to me, receive me. Like a child, come to me and be blessed. So I want to look at this in, in two parts, two aspects of this call that Jesus gives. First, it's the call uh, to, to, to bring our children to him to receive a blessing. 
So I want to look at what that means for us. And then second, I want us to think about what it means for us to come to Jesus childlike as we come to receive a blessing from Jesus. So first, let the children come to me, Jesus says, and so receive a blessing. I've mentioned this before as we've studied this gospel, but children at this period in time in the Greco-Roman world were not considered significant in any sense of the word. In fact, uh, this word paideon, or um, the word for child here, um, can be used to describe a servant or a slave. Um, I think I've mentioned that before. Uh, and of course, Jesus isn't doing that here. He's not talking to the little children as servants or slaves. He's just calling them little children. But I just want to point that out because I think it highlights the sort of position that children had within the context of that society. There was a hierarchy, and children were at the bottom of the heap. The text says that the disciples rebuked the parents as they approached Jesus to have him bless their children. And you can kind of imagine it. They scolded the children, probably saying something like, what are you doing bothering the Lord Jesus with such things? Go away. Can't you see that this is a nuisance to have crying children around? Our Lord has much more important things than to deal with these little children and to pander to you. It's a little shocking. If you start to put it into words, it's hard to imagine uh, the disciples saying such harsh words uh, to these parents. And, And I think we can understand the parents' desire here. You know, here was Jesus, this great rabbi, this man come from God with divine power, one whom the people were saying was maybe a great prophet or even possibly the Messiah himself. As parents, there is nothing that will stop us from seeking our child's best. That's just sort of embedded into being a parent. We spend inordinate amounts of time and money to provide what we think will give our kids the best chance of thriving in our world. And we all have different ideas on what that is, of course. Um, Some of us invest in academics or sports or arts or culture or experience or travel or whatever you you can think of to to help our children grow. Um, We may think um, that it is, uh, if we think of a little baby, we, we start to think, well, there's not much for them, but you can pretty much find a class for any age child, right? Um, Rock climbing for toddlers or something like that. Um, My two-year-old, when she was two, again, Liza, sorry. I'm going to use you as example all day. Um, Wasn't quite, quite ready to go fly fishing. But maybe I could teach her to cast, right? Then when she turned three, we could go fly fishing. You you see how much we pour into our little children to help them to grow into what we want them to be. But here in our text, the parents are bringing their kids to Jesus. Now, I don't doubt that if we lived in Galilee or Judea during the life of Jesus and the time of Jesus, that many of us would desire to bring our kids to be blessed by Jesus. It was Uh, probably something that would have been high on many people's list. Yet I wonder, do we bring our children to Jesus now? 
just as a matter of course, as a part of our life, do we bring our children to Jesus as part of the list of most important things that we want our young ones to have? We'll buy them a soccer ball at their first birthday, sign them up for ballet by the age of three, we'll give them the best possible education, and have them listening to Bach or to the Beatles or to Count Basie, uh, in utero, mind you, to stimulate their little minds. But do we daily bring them to Jesus? Do we inculcate them with the word? Do we bathe them with prayer and teach them to pray from their earliest years? Do we show them Jesus by our love and our service and our forgiveness? Do we walk with them as they encounter their own sin? Do we seek their forgiveness when we sin against them? Do we tell them of the Savior's love? Do we teach them to worship? And do we teach them to love God by loving God ourselves? And do we teach them to love one another as we love one another? We might be shocked by the disciples' roughness with these parents. But I want, I want to say, I, I think while we might not intentionally keep our children away from Jesus, we might not have that hierarchy uh, of the culture uh, within uh, the Jewish world or the Greco-Roman world. We may, in a more laissez-faire way, keep them from Jesus. Or even intentionally, because we think, very mistakenly, that it's something they will choose later in life. We don't want to force them to faith because we fear pushing them away from faith um, that we keep them from Jesus. Now, obviously, there are ways that uh, we can push them away from faith to turn them off to it. It might be our own lack of faith, a disconnect between our life and our profession, a home marked by brokenness, anger, or sin, a church devoid of the gospel or void of love. We might be an overbearing or harsh parent. These things might discourage faith. But one thing that will certainly never discourage faith is bringing our children to Jesus. And one thing certainly will turn them away from faith. And that is failing to bring them to Jesus. Not allowing them to come and receive God's blessing. The disciples were rough towards the parents. <laughs> but Jesus, in turn, was rough towards the disciples. The text says that he was indignant. It's like a moral or righteous indignation. Jesus was angry because what the disciples were doing was in fact opposed to Jesus and his ministry. Not only did he love these little children, but they exemplified in their lowly position and in their dependence what it looked like to follow Jesus. And this is my, my second point, really my final point. We are to come childlike to the Savior and so receive his blessing. In my studies, I was uh, 
reading one of John Piper's sermons and on this text, and uh, he noted something I, I just would never have thought of. I didn't, it didn't cross my, cross my mind. He said, he asked the question, why did God create humans to grow up? To start out like little babies and grow up. And of course you're thinking, that's just what happens. Well, you know, you could think that uh, God could have created mankind in a way that multiplied without gestation and growth. It's theoretical, right? In fact, Adam and Eve were created, Adam from the dust of the earth, Eve from the side of Adam, full grown. Could not have God created nature in such a way as to skip over childhood altogether? I know this seems very speculative, fanciful thing to consider, but it actually gets at the heart of what the Lord is teaching here in our text. There is something that is necessary for us, spiritually speaking, in contemplating the humility and helplessness of a little child. As a baby lays in her mother's and father's arms, she is at their mercy. There is nothing that she can do but to trust and rely on them for her care and her well-being and her very life. And for the part of the baby, it's not really a conscious thing. They do it because it's the only thing. That's it. Of course, a child grows and develops. They gain more sense of self and a sense of independence. And I want to just say it's interesting that I think... Um, it is in the exercise of independence that sin so often rears its ugly head. Yeah, we see this in our children. Sorry, lies. I'm going to do it again. Don't worry. You were little. You don't remember. Um, but when Liza was barely able to crawl, she had a singular goal. Touching wall sockets, outlets. Now, I'm sure it was born out of a sense of curiosity. But when we said no and taught her through discipline that she ought never to touch them. It only drove her curiosity further, and dare I say, rebellion and desire for independence. We would tell her sternly, no, and then discipline her, and she would turn, and she would look at us, and she would go, Arr! and then she would reach out for it again. Don't worry, generally speaking, she was very sweet. But it was very different when she was a, just a babe in her mother's arms. She was completely dependent and comforted and coddled and fed and washed and played with. She enjoyed all the blessings of being our child, deeply loved and deeply cared for. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. For such, he is speaking to their quality, to their station in life, to their complete dependence. The disciples were so worried about propriety and, and, and the standing and making sure uh, who got to sit where at the dinner table. They, they, there was all these arguments about sort of where someone was in the pecking order. Uh, and Jesus is trying to say the kingdom of God is upside down. It's the opposite. The kingdom of God is for the least, for the lowly, for the child, for the poor in spirit, for the helpless, for the sinner. 
And he goes on and he says it negatively. He says it in the negative. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Friends, we do not gain the kingdom of God through our independence, by our strength, according to our title or position or rank. The text immediately follows this, following this one, our text this morning, is the text about the rich young man. He comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to gain eternal life? And it's a juxtaposition to this text, right? Here he says, let the children come to me in their weakness, in their lowliness. But there he says that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Position, rank, status, wealth. It's not what is necessary for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. Friends, maybe you're here this morning thinking of all the things that you've accomplished in your life. Things that you think you've done to qualify yourself for eternal life. Jesus says none of that matters. You are not measured by your status. You are not measured by your righteousness or your accomplishments or your age or anything else. Jesus calls you to come to him like these little children in complete dependence, recognizing that there's nothing in you that saves you. And this is both a very terrifying thing and yet I think it's and ultimately the most satisfying and wonderful thing in the whole world. It's terrifying because as we grow up, as we become independent adults, we work incredibly hard to prove ourselves to our parents, to our friends, to our classmates, to our coworkers, to ourselves, to our God. And we, we create this edifice, this, this beautiful uh, a wall, you might say, of, of strength, beautiful, polished. And we, we protect it and care for it so that everybody that sees it wonders at it. And so to be reminded that in fact it is nothing and then it does nothing for us, that's ultimately a terrifying thing. But I want to challenge you. Truth is, we know in our hearts the reality behind our wall of strength, our grown-upness, if you will. We know that the foundations of our hearts are not what we present. We know that our well-curated and polished life is full of fissures, that a mere wisp of wind could tear it down. And so I believe as terrifying as it is to acknowledge that there is nothing that we can do, nothing that we can be that can give us access to God, that there, there's no strength in ourself, as terrifying as that is, it's even scarier for us to face the Lord exposed and bare apart from his mercy and grace. Jesus says in the text, he says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not 
enter it. Nothing that we bring. But Christ still calls you to come. But he calls you to come as a babe. He calls you to come helpless. He calls you to come out crying to him, to fall in his arms, to let him hold you. For it is in this way that you receive eternal blessing and entrance into the kingdom of God. And this is the most satisfying and wonderful thing of all. Continue the illustration. It's like a nursed child in her mother's arms. Swaddled, held, sleeping, being rocked and loved. And this is the picture of faith. Be that helpless babe in our Savior's arms, recognizing that it, that it is nothing that we bring to the table, right? There's nothing that little infant brings other than just being. Christ gathers those children to himself and he wraps them in his arms and he loves them and he puts his hands on them and he blesses them. And that's what he does for all of us. This is faith. Nothing. We bring nothing. And yet he gives all. Jesus takes those children and he blesses them with the blessings of heaven itself. Friends, you are called. Children, you are called. You're called to come to Jesus, to rest in him, to receive him. And in humility and dependence of a little child, you're to put your faith in him and so enjoy all the blessings of heaven. And this is the most wonderful and satisfying thing in all the world. Parents, grandparents, church members, just as you come to your heavenly Father, as she says, you come to your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, empty, poor in spirit. Bring your children, your grandchildren. Bring those covenant children of the body into the loving arms of Jesus. Help them to see the wonders of a life that is dependent on Jesus, that they might grow always knowing the wondrous love of their heavenly Father and the saving grace and arms of their loving Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus.